is Niall Boylan with you right to about one o'clock today. Now, we're only one week on from the Sun's first allegations about who Edwards, uh, who you know from the BBC, the newsreader, and there are still major questions and unresolved details about the six chaotic days of claim and counterclaim. And the Sun's telling of the story subtly shifted over the week, particularly on the, I suppose, the prominence given to one crucial detail which had been left out facing serious questions. And the media face an almighty balancing act between privacy and the public interest in reporting claims of serious wrongdoing. The BBC News examined more than 50 online stories, as well as print editions of The Sun and other publications as well, to look at how the media including the BBC itself, handled the most complex aspects of this particular story, if you're familiar with it. Now, the original story of The Sun started a very dangerous guessing game online with many names being mentioned and accused of wrongdoing and many careers hanging in the balance over that weekend, last weekend. Many celebrities had to go public saying, it's not me, including Jeremy Vine, who only yesterday accepted a settlement of £1,000 for charity for defamation after one person named him publicly as the accused, which he's not. Who Edwards already had suffered greatly with depression and is now in hospital after these allegations suggested he had done something illegal, which according to the police, he hasn't. The story has been replicated throughout the years where men, predominantly, have been named by newspapers or television on alleged sexual offences, only to be shown, years later, they'd done nothing wrong. Well, maybe you could say something immorally wrong, but certainly not illegal. One man I can think of, for example, was Michael Lavelle, Kevin from Coronation Street, who you may know, who's currently going through the courts with the Mirror News Group. Because, of course, they went through several stories about him, which were splashed all over the mirror, including an article about his arrest back in 2011 on suspicion of sexual offences, which he was again cleared of later on. Cliff Richard's home was raided live on BBC television. Who gave permission for that? With no case to answer. Freddie Starr is claimed to have sexually abused a minor and again was cleared, but it caused his health to decline so much that he sadly died who Edward's welfare and wife's statement made clear the impact of the day's fevered reporting and the speculation on her family. And that will be a weighty factor as the debate develops about the balancing between publishing and not publishing names versus the public interest and the right to privacy. Now, one man who has been through this, not just once in 1986, but again in 2015, when it ended his political career back in 1986 and almost ended his life in 2015 as he lost everything as part of a massive investigation by the Met Police into the testimony of one man who turned out to be a liar and a fantasist and ended up in jail. That didn't matter. As Harvey Proctor, who I'm going to speak to in a minute, was named along with two other former British politicians already who had their reputations destroyed. His job was lost. His house was taken from him. He had to leave the country, essentially, and wait for over a year for his name to be cleared. And even then, the scars are so deep that it took years to get his life back on track. And those scars will remain there probably forever. And he joins me on the line. Harvey, uh, good afternoon to you. Uh, good afternoon to you and good afternoon to your viewers and listeners. Before I come to your story, and can I just say on a personal level, uh, just in preparation for talking to people, I tend to watch a couple of interviews or documentaries or bits and pieces just for my own research, just to uh, to clarify everything that I want to talk about. And I watched those interviews with you over the years, uh, right back to 1986, 
um, there was a programme on Channel 4 called Outed. You may remember recording that one. And it was shocking. I don't know whether I was angry, I was sad, I was happy to see you cleared of everything. And when I watched those early images of you back in 1986, when you were first elected, by the way, at the same time as Maggie Thatcher, of course, was the leader of the Conservative Party, a wonderful day in British politics and probably a wonderful day in your career. And to see that smile in your face at that time change over the course of time was just shocking. So you have my personal empathy for what happened to you on two occasions that we'll get to in a few minutes. But in relation to who Edwards... Uh, and what's happening currently to him at the moment. And remember, of course, the police have said there is no crime to answer currently. How have the media handled this? Well, I think the media have handled things very badly. But on these matters, they always seem to handle things very badly. And including the BBC, who it seems to me this last week or so have been trying to outdo the Sun newspaper, a tabloid. The Sun newspaper uh, has done what it has done many times before to many people over many years. It didn't need the BBC to follow suit. I mean, who Edwards, it's known, had suffered from depression before this even happened. Um, there's no suggestion that anything illegal went on. Uh, we can talk about the morals of society and how we should and shouldn't behave morally in society. But that's kind of irrelevant to some degree when it comes to illegality, because that's what we should be focusing on is illegality. Everybody has different morals. We're not bound by particular moral codes of society. Um, and you at one stage call this a witch hunt on men who are homosexual. I'm not suggesting who Edwards is, but you call this at one point a witch hunt on men who are homosexual. Now, if I go back to 1986, and I'm sure you remember that jubilant day when you were elected in Basildon and yeah, you were at the time... Yeah, 1979 I was elected. Yeah, and then, of course, the Maggie Thatcher government in 1986, of course, this was the peak of your career. When was the first yeah. time you heard about the allegations that were being made about you? Uh, originally published in, I think, the People newspaper at the time. Was that the first you had heard of it? I think it was the People newspaper, who was then uh, a paper then owned by Robert Maxwell. Um, and Robert Maxwell disliked the fact that I'd sued the People newspaper uh, for libel. They had made allegations, wrote articles, that I had not been given the usual courtesy by the Prime Minister in Prime Minister's question time of my honourable friend. When I looked at the particular date of the Prime Minister's question time they were referring to, I discovered that Mr. Thatcher had not only referred to me as my honourable friend once, three times, ending with the words, my honourable friend is absolutely right. Mm -hmm. and therefore, I'm not one for taking libel actions. Uh, they're very expensive and usually don't get the, the, the right result. But in this case, I thought it was so gross, so inaccurate, that I sued the people. And Robert Maxwell never forgave me for the fact that I won against his newspaper. So you essentially believe you, be, you became a target. I became a target for two reasons. 
One was that, and secondly, because he didn't like my political views, tried to get me to be disowned by my constituency for my political views, failed in that too, and therefore set his dogs of war, his journalists on to me, uh, to try to persuade my constituency executive in Billericay uh, to disown me. They refused to do so. He wired a person for sound to come into my apartment and talk to me about personal matters. The person on their own tape said he was over 21. He turned out to be 19. The age of consent for homosexuals in 1986-7 was different to what it is now and different to the heterosexual age of consent. Heterosexual age of consent in 86 was 21. Uh, sorry, was 16. Um, mm -hmm. The uh, he uh, homosexual age of consent was 21. So there was a lacuna in the law as well, uh, which uh, was rather relevant in my case. And that is that in heterosexual relations, if a man went with a girl who actually turned out to be 15, not 16, but he believed she was 16, and the jury honestly believed he was right in his mm. misunderstanding, then he had a defense. No such defense was available if a homosexual went with a chap who he thought was over 21, but turned out to be under 21. I mean, we, we, all, we all accept nowadays at 19 years of age, you're an adult. In those days, well, I suppose, morally things were different. No, yeah. The age of consent has changed in the homosexual case from 21 to 18 to 16. But at that time, 1987, I had to plead guilty to four charges of gross indecency for just not realizing that person was um, under the age of consent at that time. The offenses then are no longer offenses now. Looking back on it, even at the time, I don't think the offence was gross mm -hmm. uh, or indecent. And probably, with hindsight, I should have pleaded not guilty. The reason you pled guilty was because your mother had been through so much um, in that week, or, well, those weeks, because at one stage you felt, I'll ignore this and it'll go away. But it didn't go away. The journalists were literally no. outside your door and one journalist went into your house when your mother opened the door and searched the house looking for you. I thought my mother and my brother, both now dead, had been through an awful lot and therefore I didn't want to pro prolong an elongated court case on their behalf uh, to rub it in mm -hmm. for them. Yes, on one occasion when I I had a house in my constituency in Billericay and my mother lived there. And on one occasion, it was a Friday, I was uh, delayed at the House of Commons going back to my house in Billericay. The press obviously thought that I would have arrived at a certain time. I was late. Um, 
they knocked on the door. My mother said I wasn't in. They didn't believe her. So they pushed past her and they looked throughout the house, raided the house, looked in wardrobes, every room and under beds. Uh, of course, I wasn't there. So when I got in um, about an hour later, my mother was in a state of shock. She was quite elderly at that time in mm -hmm. her yeah. 70s. And uh, she said, just promise me one thing. And what is that? I said, um, that you haven't murdered anyone. And the reason for that was she couldn't think that the media would go to such ends to send a journalist inside the house, pushing past her inside the house onto private property to see where I was and whether I was hiding under a bed, which I that, was not. When, it, when you think back to that, I mean, that must have been so difficult for her. Um, and by the way, my condolences on, on your loss of your mum, but, but it must have been so difficult for her at that time. That must have broke your heart to see her in such a state and to see her being essentially hounded by the press as well and your family in general, your brother as well, you mentioned there a few minutes ago. It must have been very difficult for everybody in that situation. Yes, um, very painful, very hurtful. Mm -hmm. And of course... Um, worried that the public service that I enjoyed doing as a member of parliament for my constituency of Billericay at that time uh, had been undermined in my mother's eyes um, to such an extent that um, she was devastated. And when you when you look back at that now, the one thing you said that you would handle differently is you wouldn't have pleaded guilty to gross indecency, which is what the charge was at the time, which, as you said, those charges don't even exist anymore. I mean, we can all talk about morals and whether we should or shouldn't behave in a certain way, but we're talking about illegality. And you weren't guilty of any real Ill illegality by today's, certainly by today's standards. But it was to took you firstly a long time to get your life back together because you had, that was more or less the end of your political career at that particular moment in time. But that didn't stop there because I know you went on then to open a shop Well, when you tried to get your life back together, selling shirts, by the way. And again, the media were at you again because they were talking about that the shop was going to close down. Um, so they were constantly following you for 30 years, waiting for you, it seems, waiting for you to make a mistake again. Oh, I think so. Uh, in 1987, I didn't resign as Member of Parliament. I served out my full term. I just decided not to restand mm -hmm. as a candidate in the 1987 general election. The media ha had done things to me in the run-up to that. They would, uh, late at night, 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. in the morning when I got in from the House of Commons, they would come and knock on my door and say, um, Mr. Proctor, who have you been sleeping with tonight? And I would then politely tell them to go away. And at 6 o'clock the next morning, five, six hours later, they would come and knock on the door again and say, who have you been sleeping with tonight? So intolerable pressures uh, for months mm -hmm. leading up to the 1987 general election. I decided not to 
not to restand. With regard to the shop, in 1987, I became unemployable because of the media um, activity. I was uh, on the front page of Sunday newspapers for six weeks running. That is incredible to live your life in those circumstances. And so I'd become unemployable after the 1987 general election. And very kindly, uh, a number of my former colleagues in the house got together and um, raised some funds so I could set up a small business. And that business was a shop in Richmond upon Thames selling, um, selling shirts and ties. Mm -hmm. And that I did for um, quite a number of years, 12, 12 years. But uh, yes, the media were always trying to have a go. Um, there was one occasion in, in terms of homophobia when two people came into my shop and um, attacked me and attacked um, two friends of mine who just happened to have popped in. Uh, he happened to be a, a minister at the time. Mm -hmm. It was Neil Hamilton and his wife, Christine. And um, they also... You, you, were left with a broke, with a you were left with a broken nose, if I remember rightly, in that particular... That's right. Now, the, now the, um, uh, one... I had to go to hospital that night, not with a, um, anything like a broken nose, but I, I think I broke a finger. Mm. So I went to Charing Cross Hospital, yeah. and while I was there, a photographer, who I later learned was from a tabloid newspaper, came into the reception, asked where I was, fortunately couldn't recognise me or didn't recognise me. And when he was told that I wasn't there, he nonetheless went into all the cubicles in Charing Cross Hospital wow. to see if he could find me to take a photograph of me in hospital. The shop did eventually close down, um, I think in around 2000 or so. And, and John Major, yeah, John Major wore yeah, your shirts. So that, that was that was the claim to fame at the shop that John Major, of course, wore your shirts. Um, you, you probably thought at that point, um, hopefully I can start to move on with my life because it took nearly 30 years for all that to heal. When was the first time that you heard about Operation Midlands, which was, of course, the allegations made, made by Carl Beach, known as Nick at the time? And I'm sure that name, even when you hear that name, it sends shivers down your spine. And we'll come back to Carl Beach in a second. But the allegations that were first made, when did you first get wind of those? Was that in 2015 or did you know before that? Well, I first heard mention of Operation Midland in December 2014, not that I knew that I was supposed to be involved with that operation or in that operation. The Metropolitan Police, through a press conference, and their Detective Chief Superintendent, Kenny MacDonald, uh, at the press conference and subsequently on numerous radio and television interviews said the man who had the non de plume of Nick at that time to keep his anonymity, that Nick who made all these allegations was credible and true. Uh, no names were mentioned at that time. But then three months later, 
in March um, 2015, uh, at eight o'clock in the morning, uh, 20 Metropolitan Police officers raided my home in what it, we now know was as a result of illegal search warrants. We know that because the district judge who gave the search warrants to the police has gone public and said the police lied to him to get the search warrants. What was, what was so unbelievable, 15, sorry Harry to interrupt, what was unbelievable, and you, you mentioned the detective, because I've seen that clip on the air, where he said, we believe Nick, and we believe it's the truth. Now, nobody is suggesting, by the way, that victims or people who come forward should never be listened to. Of course they shouldn't. But, you know, of course, everybody should be listened to and supported to when they have an allegation to make because nobody would want to deter anybody from coming forward, particularly if they're crimes of a sexual nature. But the fact that he said, we believe him, and he's telling the truth, that was a huge mistake on the part of the Met Police when we eventually will find out exactly what happened um, to Carl Beach. But and yourself, Leon Britton, and the former Prime Minister, Ted Heath, uh, was accused of, um, which... Can I just clarify for people, not only were you accused of, you know, child abuse, paedophilia, you were accused of murder, torture. There were all sorts of allegations being made by this individual, this fantasist. Uh, I was accused of murdering three children. In addition to the names you have mentioned, there was also the former distinguished head of the armed forces, Field Marshal Lord um, Bramall, and also the head of MI5 and the head of MI6, and a number of other um, people were roped in, including um, uh, Jenna, Lord Jenna, who was mm. a former Labour member of Parliament. So we were all castigated in one gang as having been part of a VIP paedophile ring. I should say at this stage, um, so ordinary people listening to this um, podcast do not think that I'm entirely um, focused on VIPs or, or myself for that matter. But why I'm speaking out now is because ordinary people are subjected to false accusations. There are people in prison who have been falsely accused and the jury have believed their uh, uh, the person making the allegations against them. Because from, so from all accounts, th this guy, all, all Nick... Allegations. Yeah, Sorry for interrupting, but because by all accounts, this guy, Nick, and we've seen some of the video footage of his interviews, comes across as a victim, comes across as believable. But it was later found out, after he absconded from the country when they realised he was telling lies, and he, and he absconded the country to some log cabin in the middle of nowhere in Sweden to hide when they went through his own computer, that the pictures that he had drawn, pretending he had them as memories as a child when he was 12 or 13 years of age, were actually pictures he'd gotten from the internet. And also, not only that, he was the abuser. He was the paedophile. He had very unsavoury stuff on his computer. And this was all a fantasy in his own head. But yet, the British police took him and were basically taken hook, line and sinker. But for you, that was a year of your life. It certainly wasn't a speedy uh, investigation. That was more than a year of your life, whereby you were again all over the front of the newspapers. You were again vilified. You were again looked at by every member of the public as there's the guy who's involved in that. The how, after going through that originally when you were younger, 
and and taken so long to get through that and get your life back to some semblance of normality and then to have all this again in a time when social media, of course, becomes part of it as well. How did you actually get through that? How did you deal with that? We took 30 years after 1987 to really... Um, get through the first scandal. Uh, most people don't go through a scandal. I've managed to go through two. And the Metropolitan Police were themselves responsible for my name being in the public arena uh, when they said that I would not be named. Uh, 15 hours they were in my house. They left um, 11 o'clock at night. Uh, I went to bed very tired uh, forgot to turn the TV off, and at seven o'clock the next morning, I woke up to see my face from the TV screen and the news of Operation Midland and the search of my house. I turned over to Radio 4 and found that they were also um, reporting what had happened the previous day. Now I find out that one of the police officers who were in my house as part of the search team telephoned the complainant then known as Nick but he was Carl Beach to tell him that they were searching my home knowing that he had close connections with uh, an odd uh, news agency called Exaro and had close links with the BBC news team so not surprisingly it was all over the BBC and the media within hours. How did I feel about that? Um, just aghast mm. that here we go again, 30 you, years later. Did you think you'd be able to deal time, with it? Did you think you'd be able to deal with it this time? Before the police had started their investigation, the police were saying, linking back to the press conference of a few months before, that this chap was credible and true when I knew that he was incredible and untrue. Mm. And just to clarify for people, he was sentenced to 20 years in jail. Probably not enough, to be 18, honest with you. 18 well, years. Sorry, 18 years in jail, uh, which in your eyes, I'm sure, wasn't enough because he destroyed people's lives. Um, Leon Britton, of course, sadly passed away during that period of time. Um, he was unwell, but I'm pretty sure this didn't uh, help his health uh, whatsoever. Um, Ted Heath had already passed away at that stage as well, so... Um, these, I know his his own grandchildren or his grandson had spoken out of this, but you, you took the unusual step uh, in these cases because you never know, I suppose, what the right thing to do is when you're accused of something and your name is all over the press. So you took the unusual step of calling a press conference yourself to clarify to everybody, I'm not a murderer. Um, just There's just that, that clip there of you there. Just, uh, I'm just... not a murderer. I'm not a paedophile or pedra. And that was the simple message you wanted to get across, because that was an unusual thing to do, I suppose, at the time, wasn't it? Well, in 1986-87, I decided to take a strategy of not speaking to the media. My partner said very early on, it didn't get you very far, did it? So in 2015, I took a different view that I should try to put my case across. I was annoyed with the Metropolitan Police uh, that they said they wanted to interview me. And then all the 
dates for interviews were postponed. It's as though they were spinning it out. And uh, during the time, um, during this time, until they started interviewing me in June um, 2015, the media, Mr. Beach, and the police were dropping little nuggets of information about me into the media. And my solicitors were saying, oh, you can't comment. You can't comment. It will be wrong legally to comment. And so when I had to return from Spain, because you were right, I had death threats. So I left the country. I went to Spain, but came back for interviews with the police when eventually they got around to interviewing me. I told my sisters, well, okay, I will come back and be interviewed, but I will throw a press conference. They didn't want me to for legal reasons, but I overruled them and I threw a press conference, quite a long press conference, a long statement, and made myself available for questions to all the media, uh, both television, radio, and newspapers uh, to answer their questions. Once I did that, I thought the situation changed. The media had been reticent because the police were saying, if you only knew what we know, um, you, you, you would know that Mr. Proctor is guilty. Well, I was never charged, so I never went to court but I did have a hour and a half long press conference uh, setting out what I was supposed to have done. The police were not telling the media what I was supposed to have done or how mm. outrageous and inconceivable that I could be doing these things. For some, example, of the, some, of the, some of the stories, yeah, I, I know the example you're going to give in relation to Ted Heath. Some of the examples yes. and, and the stories that were leaked... Well, well, you see, Ted Heath and I were at opposite ends of the Conservative Party, really, uh, both on the subject of um, mm. our membership of the EU and on other things such as um, immigration into the United Kingdom. So any self-respecting, intelligent police officer should have realised that the idea of Ted Heath and I doing anything together even having a cup of tea together will be um, very odd. Mm. And that um, Ted Heath would never invite me to go to his house where some of these things were supposed to have happened. And had I been invited to go to his house, I would have refused. But of course, the police wanted these things to be true. And therefore, they only looked for information and evidence that would indicate I was guilty of the things that Carl Beach had said. They didn't, for example, want to investigate or interview his ex-wife, his mother, or others. Uh, only people that they thought might uh, indicate that he was but, but the story, the story in relation to Ted Heath and you was so fantastic and so unbelievable. 
I find it difficult to believe the Met Police would have even believed the story. This outrageous story that you and Ted Heath were in this uh, hotel as part of this ring and he tried to stop you from stabbing you. It was was bonkers. It was crazy. So what you would imagine they would even try and under, like they would doubt a story like that. It was just so fantastic. But yet they seem to believe it. I, I uh, agree with your comment just then with the exception of the word seem. They mm. did believe what he was saying. They went on television and said he was credible and true before they started to investigate. Why? Because they wanted it to be true. They knew that had he been true and had it been proved, they would have made their policing uh, careers um, for the future. Endless um, conferences and speaking engagements around the world beckoned. But unfortunately for the police and for these officers, it was not true. Were any of those officers found in the investigation afterwards? And I know you took a case against, obviously, the Met Police and you in your case, obviously, and you got compensated. Not enough in my mind, by the way, can I just point out. But were any of the officers involved in that investigation who took the oath and the word of this man, this fantasist, this crazed person, did, did any of them ever face any charges themselves or investigation or disciplinary action in relation to the way they handled that? None so far, just the reverse. They were ennobled, enriched, promoted, their pensions extended. Uh, Absolutely no police officer has been held personally responsible so far. I have been um, complaining to the police and to the IOPC uh, to try to establish that one police officer should be held accountable. I'm still, I'm near, but still waiting for confirmation that at least one very, very senior police officer will face a hearing. The effect it had on your life, just finally, uh, Harvey, and, and thank you for staying with us and talking to us so much today. But the effect it had in your life uh, on those two occasions in 1986 and 2016 or 15, I mean, your friends, obviously your family stuck with you, your mum in particular, of course, on the first occasion. But your friends and your and family, your brother and people around you, did you find out very quickly who your real friends were? Oh, I think everyone knows in their personal lives when they hit difficulty, you get to know who your friends are um, and who the friends who drop away very quickly. And then some who drop away until you are, quote, cleared, unquote, and then sidle back. I'm not sure which of those categories are the worst, Mm -hmm. but... um, I have survived. I, I'm still here. You are. And I'm using my voice now to promote action against those who falsely accuse others. Vast majority of them are ordinary, dedicated people. They may not have the voice, 
um, or the platform that I've been granted. Uh, didn't want this platform, was undesired, unsought after, but now I've got it, I will use the rest of my life to make sure that ordinary people do not get falsely accused. And if they are, those false accusations are taken very seriously and dealt with by the law. I mean, you, you've had the best years of your life taken away from you by these accusations. And again, I say to you that I said at the very start, when I look at those pictures of you when you were first elected and serving under Maggie Thatcher and those that pinnacle of your political career and the smile on your face and, and that kind of look of confidence in your face. And yet, if I just do a Google image search for images of you since then, because all of those images would be taken, of course, from newspaper clips, from everything else that happened in your life, I see the sadness in your face. And it must have taken a huge personal toll on not just your mental health, but your physical health as well over these last 40 years. How are you now? Um, I'm better than I was. I won't be the same person that I was in 1979. Mm -hmm. I, if I may say so, thought it was a very great honour to be a member of Parliament, first for Basildon and for Billericay, and to meet my constituents and to try to solve their problems. I think probably I'd been less successful in solving some of my own difficulties and problems, but I've tried to stand up for myself, thinking I'm also standing up for for others. And that's what I continue to do now. I'm sorry in a way that this podcast has concentrated a lot upon what happened to me. But as an example, if your listeners and viewers think this is happening to many, many people, and the police do not take these matters as seriously as they should. Do, do you think we need to change the laws? The laws in Ireland are slightly different to the UK, but still, there's a suggestion that we should, we've had numerous cases where people have been wrongly accused, both here in Ireland and in the UK. Uh, I mentioned Michael Lavelle at the start of the show, who people would know as Kevin from Carnation Street, which was one of the classic ones, who's back in court now at the moment, actually suing the Mirror News Group uh, over the, the, the tapping of his phone and all sorts of things during that very difficult time in his life, when, of course, the jury was told to leave the court because there was no case to be had. But do, do you think that it's time the law was changed whereby people can't be named. I'm sure you remember the Cliff Richard situation where the BBC yes. was almost like a live event where the police raided his home. And the British police or the Met Police, their argument is in these cases, we need to name the person because it encourages others to come forward and collaborate the story. Is that, is that a fair argument? Yes, and I um, belong to organisations that are trying to do just this, to make sure that nobody is named, at least until they're charged with something. Um, if um, a person uh, may be accused of doing several things and the police wants um, to advertise the name to see uh, if any other complainants come forward, then let them go to a judge, a high court judge, and lay the case before a judge and see what the judge says. But in general, no one should be named before charge. I was not charged, mm -hmm. but my name was out there. So 
I think people should not be named until they are charged with an offence. And I also think it should be a criminal offence for any police officer to let the name of somebody out from an, an investigation they may be on until there are charges. It is not for the police to decide who is guilty, who is true. It is for the courts to decide. The police investigate, the CPS decide in this country who should be prosecuted, and it's for a jury and a judge to decide who is guilty or not guilty. I got to thank you very much indeed. I appreciate you talking to us today and taking the time you did to talk to us. And I wish you well in the rest of your life. And I hope you have a very successful uh, career and successful uh, rest of your life. Uh, Harvey Proctor, thank you very much indeed. And thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, there you go. There's Harvey Proctor, whose life has been destroyed uh, by accusations, wrongful accusations. And don't forget, by the way, he's not the only one. Many other people, primarily men, has lives have been destroyed for, by wrongful accusations. That doesn't take away from the fact that there are very many accusations which are true. But of course, the reason I started to talk about it was because of the Hugh Edwards story in the UK. And as you know from the social media last week, everybody was having a pop at who they could name. Maybe that should also be equally a criminal offence as well as a civil offence of defamation to name people online in relation to a crime that they haven't actually been guilty of or found guilty of. But the argument for this is, and the British police have said it in the past, and the police over here have said it in the past, but when a name leaks out, it's good. It's a good thing because it brings others forward to corroborate the story. Corroborate the story, should I say. But is that actually true? And is that even fair? Because the person may not even be guilty. And, of course, you can bring all sorts of fantasists out of the woods who are not even telling the truth, just like Carl Beach. The very reason Harvey Proctor went through what he did in 2016 was because of Carl Beach. Carl Beach is now serving, as he said, 18 years in jail for lying to the police, making up a story that wasn't true. Complete fantasy. He had never met Harvey Proctor in his life. He had never met Ted Heath, the former prime minister, in his life. He had never met Leon Britton. He'd never met any of these people that he made outrageous accusations, not just of sexual abuse, but of murder. He said they were murdering children, stabbing them abusing them, all completely untrue. It was a fantasy in his own head because he was a weirdo, quite simply. But should people be ever named? Let me know what you think. The number is 87 or sorry, should I say 85 That's the WhatsApp number, 85 We'd like to hear your view today. Let me go to, uh, Angela will be with you in a second. Let me go to Eileen first if I can. Eileen, hi, how are you? You're on the Nile Boylan podcast. Hi, Nile. how are you? Um, I don't know whether you were I listening don't... to all of what Harvey had to say, Harvey Proctor, but what a life he has had. A life of hell. Dread. Hell. Mm. Oh, sorry, I lost you there for a second. Hang on, I'll get you back there. Go ahead, sorry. Presumption was innocent until proven. Yep. Oh, I'm sorry. Hold on. Name. Yep. Go ahead. I don't think anybody should be named until they're found guilty of a crime. Yeah. And then we have it in the Constitution, you know, uh, unless things are going to be changed in the Constitution, which has to go to, sometimes I think it's the Oireachtas or go to the President. The President. Um, President. Well, it has to go to a referendum if we change the Constitution, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, 
amendments, you know, they have to be changed. But it's, you know, if Joe Bloggs is accused of something, you know, somebody says, oh, he's after doing this. Um, we shouldn't be all oh, putting her in the paper on our, on social media until the person goes to court. And if they're found guilty, only sometimes they can be named, depending on the case. Well, yes, if, if the, the, if the victim, yes, involved. if children are involved, sometimes they can't be named. But yeah, it's the protection of the children. But here's the but thing. See, see what, what happens is in this, and I spoke to somebody last year in relation to this, and she said to me that somebody down the road from her had been accused of abusing a child or sexually abusing a child, yes. right? And she said, I'm entitled to know that because I live on the same road and I have children and I don't want anybody going near that house or going near that person while they're out on bail awaiting charges or whatever it is. So they believed they were entitled to know that information before the person even stepped into a courtroom. Is that fair? Because they want to protect their children. Is that a fair argument? Yeah, well, um, yeah that's, that's what she believes. But see... Then the person has to go to court and it's up to the court to find them guilty. And we had all this um, last year, the year before, you know, all these setups, uh, trying to set up paedophiles and all. Mm, yeah. and it was like a witch hunt, you know? Yeah. Um, maybe some of them were. Or dirt birds, you know, yeah. Some of them clearly were yeah. dirt birds. You um, know. But it's not up to the ordinary people to start doing that. We have a law. We have law and order in the country, well. You would think we have, <laughs> hopefully. yeah. Oh, yeah, we think we have. But it's up to you know, the proper people to police or... Because, because an accusation, something. an accusation, particularly of a sexual Mud nature, sticks. absolutely yeah. bloodsticks, you're right. The, the, the old argument, there's no smoke without fire. And that's what my mother that's would have said, good. yeah. But but that yeah. accusation is almost worse than the conviction. Do you understand? It doesn't matter. People only hear the accusation. They don't hear a year later, oh, he was cleared, there was no charges. They only hear yeah, the accusation. Or, or you see something in the paper, an apology, and it's only a few lines... And the person's life is ruined. Destroyed. It's terrible. Destroyed. Destroyed. Absolutely. I mean, don't get terrible. me wrong. I know Harvey Proctor took the British police, uh, took a case against them and, and got a huge amount of compensation. But to me, it wasn't enough for what he'd been through in his life. I mean, they destroyed his life with an outrageous fantasy, you know, which was proven to be a lie. Now, thankfully, the individual responsible, this man, Carl Beach, was sent to jail for 18 years for what he did. And rightly it so. Happened here. Mm-hmm. Remember, Louis Walsh was accused. Oh, that's right, he was. Yes, yes. Um, that he, you know, he messed him in a, I think it was a pub. Or yeah, some nonsense made-up story. That, that's right, just let's not, let's not repeat the story, but some nonsense made-up story, and, and Louis took a case against yeah. them, and he was right to prove his innocence. Yeah. yeah. Because you do get these, uh, the person wants, you know, to be famous, so although I'm accused... <laughs> It could yeah. be you getting, you know, getting accused next. You know, there are mental people out there now. So, um, no, I don't think people should be named unless they're found guilty. Okay, well, we'll stay there. Let me just go to Angela as well. Angela, how are you doing? You're on the Loud Bowling Podcast. Hi, Niall. How are you? It was so, it was intriguing as well as sad and made me angry just listening to Harvey and what he's been through in his life. And he's, he's now an older man, obviously, but been through a life of hell. On, on two occasions, this has happened to him. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely heartbreaking, mm. and it drives. I'm, I'm, I'm always fuming because, um, as I was saying to to Karen, there, um, you could look at the case of Paddy Jackson and Stuart Olding, the two rugby players. Now they were not judged by a jury; they were judged by um, the public because even though they got found, they, they were acquitted, um, there's no case against them to be found, they still got dropped by the IRFU 
and Ulster rugby. They lost their job. Mm-hmm. Even though... <laughs> it was trialled by social media. It was trialled by social media. And the, what, what um, drove me mad about that was the trial by social what? media didn't even have to do with the rape case, mm-hmm. the rape accusation. It had to do with what they had said in a private conversation. In the WhatsApp groups. In the WhatsApp groups. Yeah, the locker, as they call it, the locker room talk. Yes. The locker room talk. That should not have been publicised. They should have shown it to the jury. Yes, that's fine. But it should not have been publicised because that was a private conversation. That didn't, you know, they didn't admit to rape on it. They were talking, okay, what they had said wasn't exactly glowing. But that's what turned the hatred against them. And it's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting because the day, and the cup, this came out a couple of days before they were due to fly out to Chicago, I think it was, for the All Blacks game. And they were questioned on the Friday, I think it was. And I was above... um, in Carton House when the team were leaving to fly out to Chicago and all the team came out, blah, blah, blah. And like Paddy walked out and all the team were in their gear and Paddy was in a t-shirt and jeans. And I just looked at him and I went up and I went, oh, Paddy. And he went, no, I'm not let go. And I gave him a hug and he goes, I didn't do it. Mm. You know. Like so. Now, let's be clear. They've been they've been cleared of any wrongdoing, but they've that but that but that wasn't good enough on social media. It and wasn't good enough on social media, and not even that. And I, I'm I'm sorry for all the victims out there of actual rape and everything, but they were actually suspended, which I don't think is right either. Sure, I do, I do remember. I, I'm not a big rugby fan, so I'm not familiar with all their names, but I do remember yeah. one of them went over to France at one stage. Uh, to play in a French team, and sure. individuals yeah. I- involved in campaigns over here set up a campaign to contact the French team to have them sh- uh, chucked out of there as well. So uh, they, oh, they, they were relentless to, to put it the. Yeah. And I'm a massive Munster in Ireland fan. And I was disgusted that Paddy playing with London Irish, and there was a friendly game um, before the, the season kicked off. And Munster fans were saying, Munster supporters were saying that they were going to boycott the game if he was in it. And I was disgusted with that. Absolutely disgusted. But people don't seem to accept, they don't seem to accept what the jury decided. Uh, you know, and, the, no. and the, the, the jury, and in most cases, by the way, in 99% of cases, the jury makes, they make logical decisions uh, based yeah, on the evidence. Because we, we weren't there. We weren't at the trial. We didn't see all the evidence. No. We only got what the newspapers want us to hear. So we didn't get all the bits and pieces. We didn't get all the details. We yeah. didn't see the looks on people's faces. We didn't see the, you know, the context no. of everything. So, but they did. They saw that. And they decided they, they were not guilty uh, because they of it. They weren't guilty because of it. But like, as I said, not only were they named, but private conversations were put out there. And that should be now totally different, now if they put it up on Twitter or they put it on Instagram or any social media, was something was put up publicly. But it wasn't. And not only were they found, they were found not guilty of rape, but they were guilty of their own 
private conversation and it's disgusting. Okay, so at what, at what point, Angela, just because I need to go to Wayne and Norman, at what point do you believe, as Eileen says, for example, she's completely against the idea of naming people. At what point do you believe that people should be named? Should it be when they're charged, as Harvey Proctor had suggested? No. There? So what, no. when they're found guilty? When they're found guilty. Because the way I look at it then is, if they are found guilty, that still gives enough time for somebody else to come out. You know, to come, to come no, out. They can take, you can take a charge against somebody while they're in jail if you want to. Yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, and that's when it should be. Well, see, the, the poli- yeah, but the police will argue uh, more so. And I remember the very famous case of uh, Richard, Cliff Richards' house being searched live on television. Yeah. Um, and the police argued at the time, the reason they will name them and make a big show spectacle of it like that is to encourage others to come forward to give collaborating evidence. And I, I don't buy that because that just turns, I believe, that I turns it into a witch hunt. It turns into a witch hunt because then what you can get is people no cases. who will jump on the bandwagon. Well, just say it. No go, cases, yeah. Oh, well, yeah, sure. I was in his company one night at a party. I can say it. I'll get millions. And there are complete and devious and evil people out there who will do that. Now, that is... An, as okay, say, so so so, so finally, just in relation to the argument that somebody should be entitled to know, or as a member of the public, if you know somebody is accused down the road from you, Joey down the road is accused of doing something to a child, that you should be entitled to know because you've got children and have them to protect. No. 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 I don't believe... And Eileen, you don't agree with that either, no? No. Entitled to know what? Because he hasn't been charged, he hasn't been found guilty. Entitled to know that someone thinks he might have done this? Mm. No, definitely not. Shouldn't not no. uh, be allowed to name a person unless they're found guilty. Okay, well, well uh, stay there for a second, Angela. Um, let me just go to Wayne if I can. Wayne, how are you doing? You're on the Nile Bottom Podcast. Oh, sorry, Wayne. Do apologise. Go ahead. No worries. No, I was just saying thanks. I mean, there there certainly appears to be a lack of due process in this idea of putting forward an individual's name without the confirmation of a verdict. And in the current vindictive council culture that we have, that can cost you a job. It can cost you your anonymity, obviously. Your character, and your reputation, have, everything. Yeah, it can, it can sully everything and it can destroy lives when the charge may not be just. We have to be patient. I know people will feel that it puts them at risk. But there are innocent people that go through the judicial system and they should not be burdened with uh, the kangaroo court of social opinion. Unfortunately, we're prone to emotion, we're prone to error, and we need to try and eradicate as much of that as possible to make sure that we actually get justice, like sure. the examples the ladies were giving. You, you can destroy a person's career, something they've trained their entire lives for, that they sacrificed for. I don't believe that that's fair and equitable. Mm. When, when, when you hear the argument, you know, that it's to protect others just in case the person might be of danger to others or it's to get other witnesses to come forward who might have had the same experience as that person. It's, to, you know, to help the police and that's why they will throw out these names. Do you think that's even a fair reason to do it? I don't believe it's worth the sacrifice of the anonymity, no. I can understand the perspective of saying it's for the veneer of safety or for the opportunity for people to come forward. But then you sacrifice that person's privacy and their right to fair um, trial. Mm. You can't have a fair trial when you're naming people ahead of time. It's going to bias people around it. And it can run the risk of that having impacts down the line. I just don't think it's a fair trade-off. Stay there, Wayne, because Morris, how you doing? Uh, you're on the Nile Bottom Podcast. How you doing, Morris? 
as an unknown. That was a horrific story with that elderly man. I couldn't believe it. Harvey Proctor, um, yes, it was a t- horrific yeah, story. Yeah, absolutely. And to think that he survived and he came out the other end. But like you said many years ago, mud sticks, you know? Yeah. But I mean, but, but, I do, you, but do you agree yeah. with naming people? Um, I believe in innocent until proven guilty, right? But the only the only thing I said to your researcher was, if I, if they caught somebody red-handed, absolutely abusing a child or carrying out a violent well, That doesn't really somebody, happen. They don't generally catch anybody red-handed. They're usually accusations I'm that just are saying, made. If, yeah. or, or, if they, or if they have the opinion that this person is a big danger to the public, I would definitely not name them. But, who, but who decides? Because if somebody is accused of being a rapist and they are a rapist, they're clearly a danger to the mm. public. If they're accused of being a paedophile and they are yeah. a paedophile, they're clearly a danger to society. But they're not really any of those things unless they're convicted by a jury of their peers. So who decides yeah. then by your theory, no, Morris? Yeah. You know? yeah, I think somebody calling their no boiler. Oh, yeah. I, um, I think somebody <laughs> was... Um, you know, if, if that story to me, uh, I, I couldn't believe that that man survived everything that was going to him. And you know what I was just thinking, Noel? I heard many years ago, probably like you did, I know I have a relative that was in the med in London and you heard the thing on the television shows, oh, stitched up by the police or stitched up. If ever there was a case of somebody being stitched up, we witnessed it today in your programme mm. by the establishment. Oh, you know, completely and stitched come up. out the other end. I mean, I mean the the idea that the, the idea that the Met Police would go on television on the BBC, and I watched the clip he's referring to, and yeah. say that we spoke to Nick because they wouldn't even use his name at the time, and we believe him, and what he's saying is true, and yet it turns oh, yeah. out it wasn't oh, yeah. true. He was a fantasist, and it was nuts, and he was nuts, and he went yeah, to jail exactly. for eighteen years. Do you, know, you know what I was just thinking? If the, if the uh, technology was around at the time. A simple lie detector test would have proved mm, that. The lie has been around, around for a long time. But, but see, Wayne, I, I'm, I'm still looking at some of the messages coming in, and I'll just read you one here. Uh, Niall, you're all talking complete and utter nonsense today. If there was a paedophile or sex offender or somebody accused of said down the road from you and you had children, you'd want to know who they are, wouldn't you? I mean, so Wayne, see, that's the argument by people, isn't it? Yeah, well, and that's fair from the perspective but I would hearken that you should consider what if you were that person that was with that charge? Would you not want to be given the benefit of the doubt and allow justice? I understand the idea of a paedophile being around. It's terrifying. But is it a paedophile or is it an unjust claim? And I think we really need to let the air get at it. You've got to get that evidence out there. It has to be seen by a jury. Okay, we'll stay, we'll stay there. Let me just go to Norman yeah. as well. Norman, how are you doing? Oh, uh, nice. How you doing, Norman? Nice to talk to you. Sorry, Norman, do, do you believe anybody should be named before they're even convicted? Or charged, for that matter? Sorry, Norman, are you there? Yeah, hello? Yeah, Norman, go ahead. Yeah, no, 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 absolutely not. I can't hear you, Norman. Can you go off speakerphone there? You're just on the speakerphone and it's just awkward to hear you. Hello? Yeah, that's much better, Norman, thanks. Okay, great, sorry about that. Um, no, absolutely not, no. No. And the example you gave there, you know, I'm not a Cliff Richard fan by any stretch of the imagination. I prefer the Virgin Prunes. But I was horrified the way he was treated. And then it turns out afterwards there was this totally was no foundation. Do you, do you remember that? It was, that was, I don't know whether even Wayne remembers that. It was actually live on television. Yeah. Live. I had the BBC yeah. helicopters were up over the house exactly. while the police were raiding his house. He wasn't even yeah. there. He was actually in the Caribbean on holidays or something at the time. So he was watching exactly. it like everybody else. And the, that when they spoke to the police, they gave a press conference outside the gates of his house as they were taking yeah. computers and uh, files and stuff out of his house and evidence bags. They said the reason they did it so publicly was, 
and, and gave yeah. the information. They told the BBC, we're going to be there at two o'clock today, whatever it is, have all your reporters exactly. ready. It's for, to encourage other people to come forward, which never yeah. happened, by the way. Nobody came forward because the man had done nothing wrong. Exactly. Pure nonsense. Pure and utter nonsense. And how many times have the police put people away, both in Ireland and in England or in America, people away who are totally innocent and have been proven to be innocent, but the evidence was hidden. Um, so, you, you know, unfortunately, you can't trust the, the police 100%. It'd be great if we could. Mm. You know, like, you know, people didn't believe there was pedophile priests, you know, 20, 30 years ago. And we found out later they were. Mm. You know, so it, 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 it's also a society that turns, turns a blind eye to things. You know, yeah. that we look the other way. And, and that's how, you know, the church got away for so long with certain things. Yeah. And indeed, the police would put people away, even though there was no evidence. But, you know, like you say, as my mother would say, you know, uh, there's no smoke without fire. So once you get accused of something, it'll never go away. No. Even, you know, I like the band The Who. And I remember one of the members was accused of pedophilia. And it turns out it was untrue. But every time I see him on a concert or something, it springs to my mind. You know? Yeah, that, and get, somebody mentions it on social media or something like that. That's right, yeah. Yeah, you can't undo it. You can't erase it. It'll always be, it can be the first thing that pops into your mind that a person was accused of child, watching child porn or something, you know? He had, I think from what I, from my memory, if it serves me correctly, around the time of the Gary Glitter arrest, original arrest going back to the 1990s, he, yeah. he was yeah. seemingly researching and writing a book in relation to it, from what I remember. Exactly. And uh, because yeah. of that, he was accused of it. Exactly. Mm. Exactly. So, so, so th- 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 there's, there's things that can happen. You can be accused. Like my, my son, he said he's sometimes afraid of going out with a girl, to even go and kiss her or do something. You know, he's very uh, hesitant because he's afraid he'd been accused of something. You know? Isn't that terrible that we live in such a cautious today. world, isn't it? That people are yeah. afraid to do things in case they're accused of something wrong. But I mean, so you don't buy the argument that the police give that, you know, no. it, it's good, you know, to throw out the names just in case other people want to come forward, no? No, that's absolutely, no, no. They, they, they have to, I, I was on a, a, a trial or a jury there a couple of years back for a murder trial for a gang. For a gang. Don't say which one there was. And okay. Oh, yeah. No, I was, no, no, no. <clears throat> but the police uh, detective asked us later to meet up with them and have a chat with two of us. And we went off for a cup of coffee, or actually a beer, and had a few, had a chat with him. And although we found the person not guilty, we told him why. Although we found him, we thought he was guilty. What was wrong in the, in the trial? What did what the guardie did wrong? And they were extremely happy for that because they, they never get a chance to talk to the guard to the sorry to the jury. Jury. And they don't. By the way, is that is that normal procedure that the the, the guard of Shea would meet with members of the jury and find out where they got it wrong? Is that normal no, procedure? No, 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 right. no, 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 they said it was the first time that ever happened. And they, they tried to meet up with the jury. I asked people from the jury, like, why did you come to that conclusion? Or Seems how? quite unprofessional to me, if you ask me. I don't know. I've never heard of anything like that in my life. No, well, it's understandable from their point of view. The, 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 the point was... No, no, I, I understand, no, I understand the reason why they wanted to do it, because yeah. they obviously didn't... Uh, yeah. The prosecution wasn't good enough to, to convict the person, and you found them not guilty. But what I'm saying is... I find it very unusual, or maybe inappropriate. Yeah. I don't know. Wayne, does that sound inappropriate to you? That a jury, that the police, would, the guard of Chicano would want to meet with the jury members afterwards? Yeah, well, I would I'd certainly think that it's not part of the standard process. No. Yes, it would kind of cross that fine line. I could understand that perhaps maybe there was a voluntary uh, meeting 
uh, at an assigned time where you can go in kind of free of the immediacy of it, that you could probably go in and give a little bit of feedback. But I mean, it should be evident where mm. your cases come down. It's going to be down to the evidence, the way you put it forward or the lack of consistency that's going to be in there. You shouldn't be learning brand new things in your techniques when you've been doing this as long as many of these people have. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, let me just go to Billy. Billy, how are you doing? You're on the Nile Podcast. Hey, Nile, how are you? Good, Billy. I don't know whether you were listening to Harvey Proctor, but what a sad story. Well, it actually made me really angry, actually, listen to it. More heard, so. heard elements of it, Niall. Look, there's a, in our justice system, there's a presumption of innocence until proven guilty, and that needs to be maintained at all costs. He's a prime example of why that is. A life absolutely destroyed by untrue allegations and homophobic allegations in his Absolutely, case. yes, it, yeah. It, 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 it is a case that in, you know, other areas, like some people are texting about paedophiles there. You know, a suspected paedophile, not a confirmed paedophile. And if there's a, an individual in an area that is suspected of this, there has been cases where the name has got out and people have run them out of an area. And if they're found innocent later on, they can never go back. Their lives are ruined because of ac- accusations from people. So, you know, I, 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 can, I can see the other side of it, but in, in fairness, you're ruining someone's life by putting, putting these details out, these untruths out. So at what point should somebody be named? When they're charged? When they're right. convicted? Would you go as far as to say when I, they're convicted? I would say when they're, when they're convicted now. Yeah, I, I would go as far as that too, yeah. One of your, one of your previous callers referenced Paddy Jackson and, and mm. the, Paddy Jackson being the, the face of it at the time because he was the, the, the up-and-comer um, yeah. in, in Irish rugby. Like, he was named, and I know it's a different system. In, well, there was a whole social media campaign around that one. You know, that exactly, was that was trial by media. He was named in the North. And look, there, there was um, a couple, about two years ago, three years ago, there was, I think, I think it was the Mirror that published about a, a, a famous Irish sports person was involved in, in a sexual assault. And there was many articles that went out about it. Nothing ever, ever came from it. And there was plenty of suspicion about. Oh, there was guessing games going on on social media. But but I mean, as soon as I saw the the Who Edwards story last week, um, the the you know the famous A list BBC presenter, which is going to rock the BBC, you know, all of a sudden on social media, the amount of names being thrown out by people, and all of these people, you know, the top kind of five names that were being thrown out by people, all had to come forward and say, "It's not me. It's not me." And that and that in itself is wrong. Yeah, you know that 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 is bringing people's names through the mud that have nothing to do with the story, because we are they're living in the court of public opinion. Um, I, I think on the part of the Met and the UK police forces, it's a case of lazy policing. If they have suspicion that someone has done but, but, something, but it's not just it the Met; it's it's the media too, because the Sun newspaper ran this story. And it turns out that the individual let's that was supposed well, let's not even yeah, I, I I know. By the way, can I just point out from a moral point of view? Uh, they talked about this presenter paying somebody uh, for indecent pictures, right, or for naked pictures or whatever it was, right, uh, when the person was 17 or 18 years of age. Yet that same Sun newspaper, only 15 years ago, were paying young girls of 17 or 18 to take their clothes off on page three. Well, they're, they're not... Well, I know, I'm just saying that's, the, a, bit, that's the, a bit of hypocrisy, isn't it? In the vocabulary of the average Sun journalist. But yeah. look, it's, it's the case. The Sun is a rag, is what it is. Um... It's always been a rag, and you know. Well, I, I know the people of Liverpool are not too pleased, but that's for sure. Uh, well, it, it, it won't be. It, They'll never be forgiven. There. And, there's, and there's other areas of, 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 of the UK where it's not sold either, and, and rightly so. It's okay, not, but, but getting back know. to the story, so they said they verified this whole story, yet the individual 
who they're claiming this wrongdoing was against, got a lawyer and solicitor and went to the police and said, this never happened. It hasn't what, happened to what, me. What this looks, what, what this, the Hugh Edwards story looks like, a family spat that got out of hand. Absolutely. Someone's mother went to the press. But Hugh, and, but Hugh Edwards then is obviously going to be the victim of this. So, mm-hmm. so he's now in, uh, he's in hospital because he's suffering from mental health problems because of this. Yeah, and it's it's completely wrong. It's absolutely reprehensible. And you know, the Sun. What was what was Piers Morgan's paper before? The, the News um, of the World. News of the World. News of the World. Doesn't rag. exist anymore. Yeah, it was a rag because anyway. Of, yeah, because because of accusations like this. Uh, and the same with Michael Lavelle. Michael Lavelle, of course, mm-hmm. I mentioned Kevin from Coronation Street, is currently taking a case against the Mirror News Group. At the time, I remember that story at the time, and it was all over the front pages of the paper, you know, Kevin from Coronation Street or Michael Lavelle, a sex with a school child. Turned out to be completely what, untrue. What, what, what's the common factor in all of... Tabloids, red, red tops, yes. Tabloids, red tops, owned by Rupert Murdoch in a lot of cases here. You know, it, this is this is the standard of journalism that he allows in his in his tabloids, and this is what this is where we are. But so the, but there's no but unfortunately there doesn't seem to be regulation. I mean, we have regulation, for example, when I'm on radio for the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland. So we have a mm-hmm. regulation. We can also be sued for defamation, by the way, if he's mentioned somebody's name. But there doesn't I'm, seem I'm to be any sure regulation at all. I'm not, I'm not sure what the defamation laws in the UK are like, and I don't know if if, if oh, they're uh, the same paper. I, are they? Yeah. If they were, if they were, would we be in the situation that we're in with a lot of these reports? I don't think so. Well, the thing about it is, you know, a lot of people are afraid to come forward. So, if, if a celebrity has an accusation against them, unlike Harvey Proctor, who called his own press conference, they're going to be advised by the lawyer: do nothing, say nothing, because you're only given the yep. story credibility. So they won't even stand up and proclaim their innocence because they're afraid to do that in case people go, oh, why are you coming out now? Ah, you must be hiding something. So they're afraid to say anything. Mm. And it's it's, how, it's a situation of how do you deal with this situation? Well, you can't. Well, so the only way to deal with it is to change the law. And the law, no, 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 I what? personally believe, you should not be named until you're convicted. Yep. That's the only way. Would, would be completely in agreement with that. And in this in this country, for the most part... You know, I, I know it, it varies case by case and it depends on what the situation is. Like in murder cases, the accused is usually named if they were known to the, to the victim. If it's an underage incident, as, as the Anacrisial case was, it was boy A, boy B. And, you know, when one of those individuals was named on WhatsApp groups, the people who did that were rightly pulled in front of a court and were right. rightly charged and convicted. Because they broke, they broke. And the by the way, when a journalist by mistake named one of them on radio, um, they were brought before the judge. Now the judge was fair to the journalist because it was a genuine mistake because he was reporting mm-hmm. on it and he just came out of his mouth. Uh, um, uh, but he was brought before a judge and still reprimanded for it. Now, thankfully, the judge didn't do anything more about it. But but he did reprimand him and said, you know, you have to be understand and then be careful when you're doing these things in future. But but in relation to, I can think of one Irish celebrity, I'm not going to name them because I don't want to add any fuel to any fire, one Irish celebrity who only in the last few years lost everything, his career, everything, mm-hmm. uh, because of an accusation that was made that turned out to be untrue. Yep, and I, you don't have to name the person I know who you're talking about. And, yep. You know, their, their career in this country is pretty much... For. Yep. As, as someone as someone said, there's no smoke without fire, and that's dreadful, isn't it? And they will they will always be associated with the accusations that were made about them. 
whether true or proven or not. But once that accusation is made and a name is associated with it, that is tied to you for eternity. Shocking. Shocking. Stay, well, stay there. Let me go to Mark as well. Mark, how are you doing? You're on our, the Not Boiling podcast. Hey, how are you doing? How are you doing, Mark? What do you want to say? I'm doing well. Um, I glad I completely agree with you guys. Um, sorry to jump on the bandwagon, but like, yeah, they shouldn't be shouldn't be shouldn't be uh, named until until they until they've been convicted of a crime. Um, it's 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 mad how it's it's mad how they 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 can put out a name, an accused person, the person's dragged up and down the country, bad name, but then like like a child, a little not not a little child, but like a, a young man got murdered there in Cork, uh, maybe two years ago. And they, and murdered by a young guy, like like stabbed, like you know. And I remember the story you're talking about, yeah. And and, and they still called him boy, boy, boy A. Because he was only because he's a minor, yeah, yeah. That, that's that's nonsense, boy. How like how can? You well, I I would agree that is nonsense because it's murder. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of like, course, if we remember in the UK, Jamie Bulger's killers were named, and they were 13 years of age. Madness, like so. Yeah. You can be accused, and you can be named, but you can be named, but. So you can be accused but named, but then actually convicted and and not even named, and not, just because you happen to be under eighteen. It's 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 madness, like it's, it's yeah. It's, it's, it's really no, 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 no. The law, the law is an ass when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I, I firmly believe even the the killers, if they're sort of fifteen or sixteen years of age, should be named. Uh, but so, by the way, and maybe maybe you could say they should be named once they're eighteen years of age, and that's fine. But 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 it doesn't. They should be my named. Other, my, my other thing is my, my other things. I think these uh, media outlets should be held at a, at a greater account. Like you know, mm-hmm. if it, like they, there, there should be harsher punishment for these for these media people. Like you know, it's it's, it's yeah, it's particularly when they run a story that's probably not true. Yeah, or has a semblance of truth. But also, but also, like if it's not a criminal matter, right? It's not a criminal matter, and it's it's not a it's not a government matter. Like then it's a person matter. Like who who like. What's 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 the deal for everyone? Like you know, but, but my my hair. My question to you guys as well, though, is um, if um, if if he's not convicted and he's done no wrong in criminal in the eyes of the law, right? Yep. Does it really matter what anyone else says? Does it really matter? Well, it does because their career can be destroyed. But if, if yeah, I, I understand. That you know, your, your life is destroyed by an accusation. Sure. Another question now would yeah, be: so, sorry. If an accusation, yeah, if ahead, an accusation is made and a person is found innocent, is any institution or publication that's put out a story um, supporting this then liable for slander? Well, they are. Yeah, and by the way, so, you you can you can be charged with defamation for repeating a defamation. So, in other words, you know, if if one newspaper you know uh, puts a story up that's completely untrue and that's defamation. If you then repeat that story or read it out, it's not fair. You, you, you can't turn around to a judge and say, oh, well, I thought it was true because I read it and I just read out the story that was already there. You are also defaming the person. So you can equally be charged with defamation. Like, I'm not sure how often they're chased after in cases. You know, the well, they, well, the defamation with, case with, will um, normally... Yeah, well, they normally, with a defamation case, it will normally go to the first person. Now, don't get me wrong. There has been cases where many uh, newspapers have all defamed the same person at the same time because they followed each other. But the defamation case will normally go to the first person who named them. Hmm. But defamation, the problem with defamation cases is they're expensive to take. I mean, you need about five grand just to get in the court. You know, and they're mm. they're expensive cases to take. Judges are not going to, or solicitors are not going to take them on a no win, no fee basis. So you've got to have that money to take the case in the first place for defamation. Now that has that's a double edged sword because it's a good thing and it's a bad thing. 
Because if it was free to take a defamation case, or you could do it on free legal aid, which you can't, um, well, then you would have defamation cases in the courts every single day of the week. We'd, we'd probably have a, de- a specialist defamation court. <laughs> we, we would, because people would be just, ah, he called me a name on the street the other day in front of a load of people. Do you know what I mean? It would get silly, you know, so if it was free. So you have to, it has to be serious before you can take a defamation case. Sorry, let me go to Alan as well. Alan, how are you doing? You're on the Live Bottom podcast. Alan, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, yeah, I kind of guess, like, like, this is a very serious matter, like, and, like, you know, nobody should ever be treated guilty until proven innocent to, to a certain degree. Like, I've, I've had personal kind of experiences of where, uh, like, people have made very serious false allegations against me. Like, uh, for for example, uh, during the lockdowns, uh, I actually attended a protest, and we we were going from the GPO to, to the RTE, and there was uh, a group... That, that they were waiting for us on a corner bridge uh, to to attack an assault, and uh, like like if there, there there like a few thoughts occurred as uh, like we, we we were attacked with metal bars and, and everything, but like after that like like one of the women that I was part of that group after the guards went off and segregated her and put her aside, she went off and she she decided to follow us up the street, and she she used to get another fight from another person uh, she she punched the woman in the back of the head. Uh, the guard pushed her onto the grounds, and I, I, I just walked over and I just yelled, like, stop her. But, like, then they, they went off and... They, okay, they I, I, don't, I don't have time, with the greatest respect, Alan, I don't have time for the whole story, but generally you were accused and you were falsely accused of something. Yeah, 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 yeah but see, like, like they, they went off and basically accused me of, of, of assaulting her, and, yeah. and, and ever since then, like, for, for like, the past three years, like, they, they've, they've been contacting, like, every single employer that I've had, uh, basically saying that. Okay, uh, well, 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 if indeed that's not true, well, that's a horrible thing to happen to you. If indeed it's not true, and 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 my sympathies to anybody who has been accused or falsely accused of something they didn't do. And um, by the way, were you ever convicted of anything or charged with anything? Oh no, well, well, for the procedure, the thing is, like, I challenge these people. Like, I, I asked. Oh, okay, uh, no, I'm. I know. I just asked. Them, were we ever convicted or charged? No. No. Okay. No. That's well. That's all I needed to hear. Okay. Uh, yeah, if it was serious, if it was serious enough, I'm assuming you would be charged or convicted of something. Uh, anyway, but in relation to you know crimes generally of a sexual nature, should people be named before they're actually charged? Uh, well, well, no. See, see, like the thing is, like there's there's always an essence of where that person can, can be innocent, and like once that goes out onto social media or goes or goes onto newspapers or anything like that, like it, it can be blown out of proportion. So, so like people are only getting that one side of the story. Yeah. So it's like if if if, if hundreds of thousands of people already think that this person is guilty before, like the, the the real truth comes out about that person, like like that person has been fundamentally destroyed, and it it does follow them uh, around the place. Oh, it does. It well, it'll follow them forever. It'll follow them forever. Uh, Billy, just on a final note, uh, I don't know whether you heard all of Harvey Proctor's interview at the start. Um, I, I hope that never happens to anybody again because it's a shocking, shocking story. But I believe mm-hmm. it's not going to change. I think we will continue to see stories similar to Harvey Proctor's for many, many years where people are wrongfully accused. Yeah, I, I would say so. There's uh, there's no stopping the, you know, the accusations and until there's legislation brought in, in particularly in the UK, to protect um, people who are accused, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. going to keep going on and on. Thank you very much indeed, Billy. Thank you to Alan. Thank you to Mark. And thank you to everybody who got involved in today's show. Now, Alan on Facebook says, yes, I've spent three years of my life having my employers being harassed by hate groups. 
Oh, that was Alan. I think we just talked about there. Uh, Christine says on Facebook, uh, their name shouldn't be mentioned if they're if they've done nothing wrong. Dragging their name through the mud for no reason. People don't easily forget, and they won't forget a name regardless of innocence. John Malloy says on Facebook, of course, but it will never happen. Law enforcement are leaking stories to the media for money for years. Media would have to be held accountable too. Dennis says, absolutely. In other words, you shouldn't be named unless you're convicted or charged. Elaine says, my heart breaks for this man. I remember him to be an exemplary at his job when he was first elected in the UK. People need to own the consequences of their mouths and uh, realise the knock-on effects before they proceed to name and shame. Naming innocent parties uh, not only damages the person named, but also damages their family, friends, colleagues and anyone else by association. People who do this should also be treated as having committed an offence. It's just horrendous. Well said, Elaine, by the way. Can I just point out that's a very good statement to make? Just in relation to who Edwards, by the way, as well, there is a statement in as well, released by the PA News Agency, Vicky Flynn, the wife of the BBC newsreader, Hugh Edwards, said, in light of the recent reporting regarding the BBC presenter, I'm making a statement on behalf of my husband, who, after what have been five extremely difficult days for our family, I'm doing this primarily out of concern for his mental health, well-being, and to protect our children. It goes on to say how who is suffering, and I'm sure you've heard the statement that they did put out because I meant to read the whole statement there earlier on. But she said, I know that who is deeply sorry that so many of his colleagues have been impacted by the recent media speculation. We hope the statement will bring an end uh, to the situation. In other words, there is nothing to answer for. Yet, the Sun newspaper saw fit to run the story and turn it into a guessing game on social media. The guessing games need to stop on social media. We need to change some of the rules around social media. Absolutely. I am all for free speech. Everybody should be entitled to free speech, but you must be responsible for what you say. So if you start naming people and a suggestion of an allegation or somebody has broken the law, you must be responsible for what you've just said. For example, Jeremy Vine uh, took one person to task who named him as the person in the Who Edwards case last week. He could have taken him to court for thousands, but he didn't. He just said, say you're sorry and give me a thousand pounds for charity, which the person did and apologised. Because the person said, oh, the reason I did it was because I was drunk. Being drunk is no excuse for making a very serious allegation against people online. When you call somebody a name online and a serious allegation, i.e. you call them a racist or you call them a homophobe or you call them a liar or you call... You need to be sure that what you're saying is true. Because if it's not true, it's defamation. Now, thankfully, you know, there isn't defamation cases in the court every day. People expect what they call common abuse on the internet, and that should continue, by the way. Common abuse should be allowed on the internet. It's okay to call somebody a gobshite or an idiot or an idiot if you don't like what they have to say. I wouldn't personally do it, but it's okay to do that. That's common abuse. But when you make an accusation of something that's illegal and you refer to somebody as a paedophile or a sexual assaulter or a rapist or a murderer, then you're into very dangerous territory. People should not be allowed to do that online. If they do, and that person is innocent, they should face charges. Criminal charges as well as defamation of the person's good character. Anyway, if you have any thoughts on this, you can send us a text or a WhatsApp. And it's uh, 85 That's 85 Don't forget, by the way, we don't charge you for watching this every single day. It's free of charge. Um, there's no subscription just to watch this. Uh, you can watch it every day for free. We'll never charge you for watching it, for listening to it. You can go to our website, nilebowling.com. You can download it for free there as well, by the way, if you want to. All we ask is that you subscribe voluntarily. On our Twitter account there at the top, you will see a follow button. Just click follow and click subscribe. If you've got a chance, it's the price of a cup of coffee once a month. That's all it is. Starbucks coffee, of course. Uh, or the price of a beer. Actually, you wouldn't even get a beer for a fiver. Anyway, 
please subscribe and help us to continue to provide programmes for you every single day and good guests because I think it's intriguing to listen to. I think we learn a lot. I'll be back with you again with you tomorrow at 12. Until then, have a great day. The multi-award winning Niall Boylan Podcast. Listen live on Facebook, YouTube and all the usual live stream services. To get in touch, just WhatsApp or text 085-100-2255. The Niall Boylan Podcast. They told me to shut up. Available for download from all your usual platforms. <laughs>